Thanks, John. Good morning, Brookside. How's everybody doing? Good. I like that Chuck Norris thing. Between that and Rob's song, I don't know. This is kind of a kind of a crazy morning. Loving it. Well, I uh, I do hope that you've had a good weekend and um, students, you're back to school. How's that going? It's going all right. Getting some booze? No. All right. Good. Um, I too want to say though, if you're a guest here this morning with us, we uh, we're really glad that you're here. Um, uh, thanks for joining us, and we really pray that you'll just have a, a great experience uh, here this morning. So, um, I want to um, celebrate with you some of the things that that God did right here in our midst last weekend. Um, there were several people that God drew to Himself, and they put their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. And and you know, we just when when that happens, you know, we just stop and we say, "Thank you, God." You know, thank you, God, that you're working in our midst. And so we just want to um, just just throw that out as a huge praise to God um, for what he's what he's doing right here. Yeah, yeah, you can clap. That's great. <clears throat> well, as John said, this is an exciting time of year for us as a church. Everything is getting kicked off. Our ministries are are launching today. Many of our programs will be underway either today or later this week or in the weeks to come. And and as we start a new ministry year, um, we're going into this year with a lot of anticipation. We're thinking about, okay, God, what, what might you do in the next several weeks, in the next several months? And, and so this morning what we're doing is we're kind of hitting the pause button on our, our series through the book of Ephesians. Next week, Pastor Steve will take us back into chapter 4 in that book. But this morning we're kind of hitting the pause button and, and we're, we're, we're going back to, to the basics. Um, today we're going to, the task that's before us, we're going to answer some very important questions. They're very found, foundational questions. Um, and the reason why they're so important is because... The way in which we answer these questions really determines everything that we do together as a church. Um, there's a football team that practices right near our house. And, and at this time of the year, man, these first practices, those guys are out there just doing the basics. Why? They're getting ready so that they can win some games. For us as a church this morning, we're saying, hey, what are, what are the basics? What are the foundational, the fundamental questions that we should ask each other? The first one that we're going to answer this morning is, is this. It's where are we going as a church? And then the second one is this very foundational question, how are we going to get there? And when we unpack these questions, and after we get done doing that, there's going to be a question that will be very personal, very personal to you, and and it's one that will hit each one of us. You might even jot this down. Here it is. We'll come back to this at the very end. Am I moving toward the right destination? That's where we're going to come back to today. You'll be able to leave here this morning, and you'll be able to go, okay, if that's the destination do I need to tweak my route a little bit? Am I on track? Am I, am I going the way that I, I should be going? Many of you are, are new to Brookside. By God's um, blessing, we are growing as a church. We're going um, significantly. It's awesome. And this morning, um, if you're new to our church family, you're going to get a very clear picture of what makes this local church tick. What drives this local church? Many others, you've been around Brookside for, for years and years, and, and you might look at this morning as... It's kind of like a family meeting, but not like maybe your first thought for a family meeting, because my first thought is maybe negative, right? You have a family meeting because things aren't going so well, and it's kind of like, hey, time out, come to Jesus meeting, everybody around the table, right? This is like a good family meeting. This is going to be a family meeting where we get reminded of some of the things that God has done, of what he's doing in our midst, and and we're going to get reminders of, of who we are as a church, where we're going, how we're going to get there. And so I, I want us to, to, before we dive in, though, I, I really, this is important. I want us to go to the Lord and, and just ask him, Lord, would you speak today? Um, would, you, would you do something in our midst today that maybe we didn't expect, maybe we didn't plan on even? And so, Lord, would you, would you really show up here? 
Um, so let's pray together. And I, I want you to, to have two things kind of on your mind. First, I want you to think about the power of the message of, of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the message that the local church carries. The local church carries this message that, that Jesus Christ can transform lives. So have that in your mind. And then also think about the fact that our God can do amazing things, that, that, that he can show up and do amazing things right here in our midst as a church. I mean, our aspirations are, they're beyond us. And so it's appropriate for us, particularly on launch Sunday, for us to go to God and say, hey, Lord, we, we need your guidance. We need your grace. And so, uh, so with that, let's, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord together. Lord, we come before you this morning. And um, Lord, it's a, it's a special morning for our church. Lord, we're looking ahead at the months to come and we're asking you, Lord, would you, by your grace, would there be a demonstration of your spirit's power in the lives of your people? God, we pray for those that, that we know that maybe even aren't yet here. God, we pray that this would be a semester when they, would, when they would come, when they would be sitting next to us. So God, as we launch into this new semester, Lord, we just, we give it to you and we pray that you would do what only you can do. And then I'm gonna ask you, just pray two prayers here. The first one, just pray for yourself here for a second and just ask God, say, Lord, the door is open to my heart, Lord. I give you permission to speak. So go ahead and just pray something like that to the Lord, just you and God right now. Go ahead. And then would you take a second and would you pray for the person sitting around you, the people sitting around you? Maybe pray for that person next to you. Pray the same thing for them. Lord, would you, would you make this a semester when, when they're impacted by you? Go ahead and do that. So, Lord, that's, that's our prayer this morning. We love you. We commit this time to you. And, Lord, we pray that you would ignite in each one of us a passion for you and for the cause of our church, Lord. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, when you came in this morning, you uh, probably noticed three very nice Corvettes sitting out in, in the, uh, the lower um, patio down there. And um, I, I, you're probably wondering, well, what are those for? And so I wanted just to, to kind of clue you into to what those are for. Um, you, know how, you know how it is with any organization. It doesn't have to be a church. I mean, any place you work, if morale is high, if the staff is having fun together, um, Morale is boosted, productivity is boosted, all sorts of good things come if, if the staff is just having fun together. You know what I'm talking about? And so, so God must have laid that on someone's heart, or he did lay that on someone's heart this week. And, and those were donated to our staff so that over lunch we can race those around the parking lot every day. Yeah. You might want to say goodbye to some of our staff after you leave today. No, really. Wouldn't that be fun, though? I mean, I was just like, man, if I could just convince, yeah, that'd be great. But, but really... We'll get to why those are here, but first, let me ask you a question as we get going here. Have you ever had a road trip that went bad? Ever done that? You ever had a road trip where the unexpected happened, where maybe things didn't turn out the way that you wanted to? Yeah, you're kind of looking at each other. Yeah, you've got a story that comes to mind. Um, I have a vivid childhood memory of one. My parents uh, had this car. It was called an Eagle. It was made by American Motor Company. Check out this, this picture of this Lovely beast, you know, there it is, yeah, four-wheel drive, I mean, that thing's a monster, right? Not quite a vet, but it's good. 
Now, it was, um, this memory comes from January 1st, 1982. And I've got to confess, my family was on the way to, to some relative's house out of town to watch the uh, Hawkeyes play in the Rose Bowl, 1982, right? Uh, forgive me, it was before I knew I bled red, you know, whatever, right? So, so we're on our way there, and, and this, we got off the interstate, and we, we started going down these gravel road to get to their, to get to their house. Their house was out in the country, and, and, um, and I was five years old, my brother was seven years old, and we were in the back seat, and, and so we're going along, and it was a cold, snowy day. One of those days where it's like, if we didn't have somewhere where we really wanted to go, we probably wouldn't have gone. You know what I'm talking about? And so we get going down this gravel road, and, and it appears that it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge to get to this house, to say the least. And, and you know what happens when you're going down a snowy road, and you realize that, okay, we, if we stop, if we slow down, we'll get stuck for sure. But if we keep going, we might get stuck, maybe. We're not really sure. But if we stop again, we'll be in trouble. Two bad options, right? And so my dad at that point decided, hey, let's keep going. This thing's got four-wheel drive. It's in good shape. Let's do it. And so we kept going, and we, sure enough, we got stuck. And we got really stuck, like the kind of stuck where the motor is just white covered in snow, right? My dad was telling me he had the windshield wipers on, just trying to get to a a better patch of, of road to get to this house. Have you ever had anything like that happen to you? You ever had one of those experiences? But you know what's even worse than, than that? What's even worse than, than getting stuck in the snow? Sometimes it's, it's, it's when, you, when you don't know where you're going. Have you ever had that happen? Even worse than sometimes getting the car broke down or getting stuck is when you, when you have no idea where you're going. Has anyone ever done that? You're lost. You get to that point where you say, okay, whoa, we don't know where we are. Hard to admit, right? It's when you're moving, you're going somewhere, but your destination, it's up for grabs. You ever had that happen? Now, here's the deal. When, when all that is at stake is just like being late or, you know, missing the party, it's not that big of a deal. But think about this on a much bigger playing field, in a much more important uh, arena. Do you know anyone that you would say this about them, that their destination for their life is up for grabs? I mean, I mean they're, they're moving. They're going in a direction. They're going somewhere. But truth be told, their destination is foggy at best. You might even feel that way about yourself today. And maybe you've heard people say to you, you know, you just need to pick a lane. You just need to go somewhere. You just need to get your destination clear. The first question that we're going to ask this morning is this. Where are we, Brookside Church? Where are we going? Where are we going as a church? What's our mission? What's driving us? Think about this. With every worship service we do, with every volunteer hour, with every program, with every dollar given locally and globally, What is Brookside Church shooting for? What's our destination? And as we think about each one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, I mean, what are we praying for the kids in the nursery? Um, What do we long to see happen in our junior high and our high school students? As adults, what are we seeking to share with others? And this this is huge. This is so huge. What are we seeking as adults to model to the next generation? What kind of legacy are we saying, you know what, that's what I want to be about. That's the kind of legacy I want to leave. What is the destination of this local church? If you've got a Bible, turn with me to uh, the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 22. We'll also put the, the verses up on the screen for you. To set this up, I, I want us to skip to the last verse in this section. Um, so if you look with me at, at verse 40 of, of chapter 2. We're going to see as we unpack this passage of Scripture that Jesus is going to give his listeners a a bottom line. 
Have you ever said to someone, hey, this is the bottom line? I mean, you could have slept through this whole conversation we just had, but this is the bottom line. Don't miss this. Jesus in this passage, he drives to a hard bottom line. To give you a feel for just how much of a bottom line this is, how much of a don't miss this statement this is, look what Jesus said right after he gives the bottom line. Here's what he said, Matthew chapter 22, verse 40. After what I've just said, he said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. This is, now, this is a really big statement, and I, I want us to understand just how important the words that Jesus just spoke really are. So do this for me. If, if you've got a Bible, keep your hand, maybe flip to, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And so you've got one finger, Matthew chapter 1. If you flip just a page to the left, you're in the last Last page of the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Now go clear to the book of, of Exodus, okay? The book of Exodus, are you there? Grab, just pinch it like that. How much Bible do you have in your hand? Quite a bit, right? From Exodus all the way to Malachi, this represents, right here, this represents the law and the prophets. That's, that's a lot of words, right? I mean, we, we regard Scripture as our guide. I mean, this is a big deal. There's a lot in there, Right? What he's saying is this, I mean, this is the picture, and you could even expand this even further. There isn't a New Testament teaching that wouldn't fit under these two commands. Jesus says, all the law, all the prophets, you could safely expand it even further. All of the scriptures hang on these two commands. I mean, think about it for a second. This is a hanger, you know, you've seen one of these before, right? All the law, all the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Jacob, on and on, Joshua, on and on and on it goes. All of scripture, think about this. What does it do? It hangs on these words that Jesus just said. Have that picture in your mind. One scholar put it like this. He said, these two commandments are the greatest because all of scripture hangs on them. Nothing in scripture can cohere to be truly obeyed unless these two are observed. So what exactly are these two commands? Let's dig in. Look at this. And let me just give you the scene Jesus is teaching the crowds, and, and, but while he's, while he's teaching these crowds of people, there are two groups of people that are approaching him. And their goal to, is to stump Jesus, to, to come up with Jesus, to, to, to confuse him, to, to make him say something maybe he doesn't mean. They, they want to see Jesus fall, basically. And so there's two groups, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They approach Jesus, and, and, uh, and they, they, they're, they're, again, their goal is, hey, let's stump him. But while all of this is happening, while Jesus is, is entertaining this kind of this Q&A session between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it says this in verse 34, just before the section we'll look at. This is of the crowd. It says, when the crowds heard this, when they heard Jesus' response to the, the, the attacks, the, the questions, it says that they were astonished at his teachings. They were astonished at his teachings. Look with me at this passage. Verse 34, chapter 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, are, they're mentioned earlier in chapter 22, and they've questioned Jesus' understanding of the resurrection. And uh, they, they, they don't believe in the resurrection. And, and so they're questioning him. And, and Jesus, in, re, in, in reply to them, he, he silences them by saying this, you are an heir because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And then he goes on to explain the resurrection. It says, back to verse 34, it says, hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So imagine this, it's like, okay, he nailed one group. All right, here comes group number two. Here comes the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees come at him with a theological question. Here it is. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
He's, they're asking him, they're saying, Jesus, what was the greatest commandment of Moses? Because, see, the Pharisees, they regarded Moses as the most supreme human figure in the scriptures. And so Moses was a big deal. And so they're saying, hey, hey, hey what was the, the, the greatest thing that Moses would have taught? Let's keep going. He answers the question. Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and, and with all of your soul and, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Notice it says this, Jesus' response to them. It, it's, it's, he says, it's first word, love. Now, now, now notice this. He's not speaking merely about just an, an emotional type of love. Now, this, this word, the, trans, the word, the way it translates this, this is the agape one. It's referring to an intelligent a, a purposeful, a committed kind of love. It's, it's the one that really flows out of like a decision of the will. I mean, you, you choose this. You just don't walk along and all of a sudden you get the warm fuzzies. No, 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 this is a choice of the will. It's much more than bare, like bare belief. It's, it's beyond empty words. It's beyond empty ritual. It's a picture of a person really. It's being consumed by, by love for God. And notice he says, with all of your heart, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Here's the idea it's comprehensive. It's, it's everything. There, there, there's nothing. There's no part that's left out. Our destination as a church, where are we going? The first part of our mission is this. What are we moving towards? That we as a church, would, we would lead people towards this. That we would lead them towards a passion for God. That we would be the kind of church that we would lead people toward being passionate for Jesus Christ in a way that's undeniable. That people would look at us and they would say, oh, wow, if I know one thing about them, I know that they are passionate for God, that we are consumed with our love for Jesus Christ, so much so that others would say, I see something different about them. As we've journeyed through the the book of Ephesians, we're, we're getting pretty familiar with the Apostle Paul. And in one particular passage, this just stood out to me this week, is that he shows just, I, I believe it's the, the magnitude of his love for God. It's kind of like a glimpse of what does passion for God really look like? So if you, you got a Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. This is, like a, this is like an inside scoop, right? This is a picture of what it looks like. The apostle Paul said this, but whatever was to my prophet, and, and, and know that he's just gone on and he's explained, hey, these are the things that my credentials, in a sense. These are, in a sense, these are my accomplishments. And you could fill in the blank for yourself. What are, what, are, what are the things that you've accomplished? What are the things that you own? You could fill all that stuff in. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. He goes on, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness, and get this, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might get this gain Christ. What does he want? He says, I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in him. And then not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ that we talked about last week, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And then verse 10, he says, again, uh, repeats it. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. He's saying this, compared to Christ, nothing else matters. Compared to Jesus Christ, nothing exceeds him. Compared to Jesus, no, no, nothing. What do I want? I want to know Christ. Now know this, Paul isn't simply saying, I'm for God. 
Like, yeah, God is good. Um, yeah, God is important, right? Yeah, I like church. Church is good. No, Paul is, he's passionate. Paul is passionate for God. And there's a big difference, isn't there? People know your passions, don't they? I mean, people know your passions, but they don't always know what you're for. They don't always know the, the simple things that you're just, you're for. You're not against them. Yeah, I'm for God. They might not know that, but they know what you're passionate about. You know what you're passionate about. Where are we going as a church? What's our destination? With all that we do, we're seeking to lead people towards a passion for God. We look at our city and we say, you know what? We want to lead as many people to a passion for Jesus Christ as we possibly can. Whether that be a, the, a, a child in our church, whether that be a student, as we look at every single person, every adult, we say, passion for God. That's where we're going. Look back at Matthew chapter 22, verse, verse 39. What is the second command by which all the law and the prophets hang? Here it is. What's the, what's the, what's the next big thing? Verse 39. And the second is like it, Jesus says. Love the Lord your, or love your neighbor as yourself. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think about this for a second. He says the, the second is, is, is like it. The second command, the, the second big command that you can't commit, it's like the first one, meaning this. These two, they go hand in hand. I mean, they fit together. If you've got the first, you'll have the second. If you truly have the first, you'll get the second. And then he says, love your neighbor. What? Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, it's, it's purposeful. It's active. It's, it's not merely sentimental. It's not emotional. Also notice this. It's very measurable. How are you and I to love our neighbor? It says this, as ourselves. So if I'm hungry later today, and I will be, what will I do? I'll, I'll feed myself. If you have a need, what do you do? You, you get it taken care of. If you're sick, you go to the doctor. If you need clothes, you buy them. Don't miss this. This is, this is convicting. Jesus is describing that the way in which we treat ourselves is the way in which we should treat other people. Now, that's not hard to grasp. None of you are like, man, that dude is going deep today. He's killing me. No, no, it, it's not, is it? It is not hard to grasp at all. But think about this for a second. It is a profound command if it is applied. What's our destination? The second part of where we're going, our, the second part of our mission is this, that we would lead people towards, here it is, jot this down, compassion for people. Over and over throughout the scriptures, Jesus modeled this. But in one particular instance, you can flip just back a few pages to Matthew chapter 14. This is a, this is a pretty cool instance where Jesus just models this whole value of, of us being this mission of us being compassionate for people. Verse 13 of chapter 14, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, and, and you can kind of stop there and you can say, well, what happened? And it's no small thing what's just happened. John the Baptist has just been killed for absolutely no good reason. And you might think, well, John the Baptist, okay, but John the Baptist was very close to Jesus. So this was a, this was a big deal. If you ever had a family member or maybe a friend and, and you found out that they had passed away, do you remember the feeling that you had like when you got the call? Do you remember that? That was a fresh for some of you. Do you remember that? I mean, just that feeling, just that, that, that kind of that sense of shell shock. It was a huge deal. That's where Jesus is at right here in this, in this text. It says, when he had heard what had happened, here's what he did. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, meaning this. 
He's mourning. And Jesus is pulling away from the crowd and he's saying, this is overwhelming. He's mourning. He loved John the Baptist. He pulls away privately to a solitary place. He says, hearing of this, hearing what had happened, it says the the, the crowds, they, they knew that Jesus was, was moving. They knew that he got in a boat and that he went to a solitary place. So they heard about that. And it says that the crowds, they followed him on foot from the, from the towns. Now imagine that. Jesus in a boat, he's trying to get away, trying to mourn the loss of John the Baptist, someone that's close to him. What's the crowd doing? The crowd is, is following him. They're like, Jesus is on the move. We're moving. But notice this. It says when Jesus landed, all these emotions, when Jesus landed and he saw the large crowd, it says he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Jesus modeled this over and over throughout the scriptures. What it means for us to have compassion on people. What it means for us to, to begin to try to see people as, as God sees them. Where are we going? What is our mission? It's the highest calling available. It's to have a passion for God and for us to have compassion for people. And you know, the next question that, that is, is appropriate to ask is this. It's, it's okay. That's a great vision. That's biblical. That makes sense. All the law and the prophets, they hang on that. that that's good. But how? Practically. Type A's are going how, right? How are you going to get there? A couple of years ago, we spent a lot of time asking that question. We asked this, with these kinds of questions. We asked, what are the, the things that contribute most significantly to a person becoming passionate for Jesus Christ and having compassion for others? And after a lot of wrestling, there were three things that rose to the top. Three things that as a church that we said, you know, we know we can't do everything as a church. We have limited people, limited resources. But here's, we feel like these three things, these th- three things, they rise to the top. These will ex- help us excel in leading people towards our mission. As you leave here today, you walk by those three Corvettes. And here's what I hope you'll think of. I hope that you'll think of the following three things as these are the vehicles that drive us to accomplishing our mission. These are the three ways by which we get to the mission. Passion for God, compassion for people. That statement that Jesus said, all the law, all the prophets, it hangs on these things. How do we get there though? Three vehicles. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. We see ourselves accomplishing our, our, our mission by this one. Vehicle number one, Sunday morning worship. Here's what I mean. It's, it's having a weekly commitment that together we gather as God's people. It's what we call church, right? I mean, we, we come together and, and we, we sing praise to God. Um, we, we come together and, and in song, we, we lift up the name of our heavenly father. It's our goal that with excellence, this would be, every part of the service would be engaging. We, we sing. What else do we do? We, we give our tithes and our offerings. That's worship. I mean, that's saying to God, you know what, God, you get the first fruits of, of my, my stuff, which is very near and dear to my heart. And what else do we do? We open up God's word together. We say, God, would you, God, would you teach us? God, would you, would you instruct us together? What's a priority for us? One of our priorities is Sunday morning worship. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You may have grown up in a church where um, you went to church, but there was really no heart engagement. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you went to church and and, and it was just kind of like you went and you did it. And you got home and you had done it, but you weren't really any better because you went. You know what I'm talking about? But you still went and you you, you did church. 
Our goal when we come together is that we would have a heart connection with the living God. These are holy moments. You'll hear Rob say lots of times, he'll say in the middle of worship, he'll say, hey, let's lock in this morning. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, let's at a heart level, let's just not be here. Let's just not sit. No, no, let's lock in. This is the time when we get to, to come together to get recharged collectively as the body of Christ. This is a big deal. Let's lock in this morning. Jesus scolded a group of people in Matthew 15, and he said this to them. He said, these people, they honor me with their lips like they, they say the right things, like the lyrics are good. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts, he said, are far from me. If you're a parent or a grandparent, know this. When, when you come into church, this is a prime time for you to model what does it look like to be engaged with the scriptures? What does it look like to, to, to you, for your kids as they're watching you? What does it look like for them to see you worshiping? It's, it's a great opportunity. I want to read a letter to you from a, um, a family that's uh, recently um, started coming to Brookside. This is what we're looking for. It says, two months ago, we were a new family in a new town who wanted to find a place to worship the Lord and be among other Christ followers. We are the Hawkins family. Mike, Julie, Drew, and Mallory. We moved to Omaha from Kansas City for Mike's job. After we got settled in, we started asking around about churches in the area with the hope that the search wasn't, wouldn't be anything like what we had experienced in Kansas City. We knew full well that churches usually meet in buildings, but the true testament of a church is the people in the congregation, not the roof over, which the, over the worship center. The first church in Omaha we tried, we knew immediately that it just wasn't where we belonged, and so the search continued. A week later, on my way home from Kansas City one afternoon, the song Lead Me by Sanctus Real was playing on the radio. I looked over to the right of the highway, and it was like there was a light shining down right on Brookside. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's always there, I wish. As soon as I got home, I looked up the website and started um, peeking around at all the bios. I saw a KU grad who led worship and thought, sweet, so am I. The more I read online about the church, the more I wanted to check it out. I could hardly contain my enthusiasm when I told Mike about it. And even though he is a Tiger fan, I was stoked about a Jayhawk being at church and he agreed to give it a chance. The first Sunday, we were skeptical. Walking up to the doors, was, well, we definitely had the I am new look on our faces. The greeter was very pleasant and asked us where we had come from and actually took the time to personally walk us back to the kids' area. We started to feel more at ease. The balloons and the bright colored things uh, in the kids' area really caught the attention of our two little ones. Beth Jansen took us back to the room where our four-year-old Drew would be staying, and she gave him a sneak, of the, a sneak peek of the playroom. His eyes lit up. Once he got to the classroom, the teachers welcomed us, and they welcomed Drew, and Drew, and Drew dove right in. In fact, I'm not even sure he told us goodbye. Imagine that. Then we were taken back uh, to Mallory's room, where there were several young girls who ooed and awed over her because they were excited to have a new little baby in the room. We were feeling more and more like Brookside was where we belonged. Then we walked into the sanctuary, and we felt at ease throughout the worship and the message. A couple sitting in front of us introduced themselves to us before we walked out the door. Turns out that we have kids the same age, and, and she is the head of a great program at the church for mothers of preschoolers. I was excited to hear about it because I had been staying at home with the kids for the last eight months and needed to get connected to other women. This was yet another answer to prayer. We got the kids, and we were ready to walk out the door when we were introduced to the Hockneys. 
After a brief conversation, they asked, uh, uh, asked to meet with us later for ice cream. They wanted to, us to meet another couple who went to Brookside, who, who actually lived just a few blocks away from us, and, and they felt we would connect with them. We agreed, and we started to head out the door when we had a chance to meet Pastor Steve. In just a few minutes of chatting, he shared a story with us about the college in Springfield my husband graduated from. We made connections with great people so fast and walked away knowing this is where we needed to be. Thank you, Brookside, for making us feel at home. We can't wait to come back and meet even more of you and see what else God has in store. That's Sunday morning worship. That's what we hope, that people will come and they'll say, wow, this is a place for me. Uh, This is a place where they open up God's word. This is a place where we can worship together. This is a place where my kids are taken care of. This is a place where I can jump in and, and I can pursue what God has for me. The second priority that we have as a church is this. The second vehicle that's driving us is it's life groups. If you look at Acts chapter 2, this is like the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says that these new believers, they prayed together. It says they studied God's word together, but repeatedly we see this, that they spent time together. It says in the text that they enjoyed the favor of all the people, meaning this, they rubbed shoulders together. Life groups are a priority for us. Life groups make a big church not too big. They provide ways for friendships to to grow that encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you're married and you've been in a life group with your spouse, you know that you've been able to grow in a unique way as you've been in in that married couple's group. If you have kids, you're sending a strong message to your kids. When you gather in a living room and your kids see that and they see you opening up a Bible and you're making that time a priority, you're setting a big example for them. If you're new to Brookside, A life group is a great place to get plugged in. We have gender life groups. We have married couple life groups. There's one for everybody. So know this, September 18th is a big day. That's a Sunday morning. That's a chance when you can get plugged into a group. Um, You'll hear more about that in, in the coming weeks. The third priority, the last priority, the last vehicle that we felt like this one really rises to the top. How do we lead people towards having a passion for Jesus Christ? And having compassion for people. Number three, here it is. The third vehicle is serving. Serving is a, honestly, it's a beautiful thing. It's when a person does this. It's when a person looks in the mirror and they go, I'm acknowledging today that God has uniquely created me and that the gifts that he's given me, I can use to impact eternally other people's lives. Huge deal. Jesus modeled this over and over. It's, It's when people see that, okay, I have influence. I have something to offer. John chapter 13, after Jesus models what it means to serve, he washes these disciples' feet. He says this, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus said, you should serve. If you've been around Brookside very long, you know, and this is awesome, there are an army of people that serve around this place. A Brooksider was at lunch and uh, around the, this table, someone overheard that they were attending Brookside and, and the person said, oh, you go to the church where everyone serves. That's a sweet compliment, right? Think about that. Get this, in our nursery, in our children's area, those two combined, there are over 180 volunteers. Over 50 high school students volunteer in our children's ministry. In our middle school, in our high school ministries together, over 90 volunteers. Over 25 help out with our worship team and our tech team. 10 for our adult leader classes. Volunteers, over 40 of them, blue shirts, the hosts. 
right? Are we grateful for them? Ten, ten people volunteer to take these chairs down week after week. Get this, 120 adult life group leaders, all volunteers. It's amazing. And what's really cool, and, and get this, when ministry is in full swing around Brookside like this week, over 450 people are serving to make it happen. That's amazing. I think of people like Don and Carol Lund. What do they do? They cook a meal for our whole high school ministry every single week. I get stressed out when I have to cook for my three kids and one's a baby, you know, milk, you know. I think of a guy like Dave Ellis, right? He's been an elder. Uh, He's served in in our preschool area. He served at our elementary kids. Now he serves in our middle school uh, with our middle school students. I think of a guy like Jeff Ayler. He served in our student ministry for over 15 years. I think of Vicki Salstein. I think of the Richards family. Every single week, those bulletins that you have, they put them together. Any handout that your kid brings home to you tonight, she puts those together. I think of the Stevens. They've been a part of pretty much every single ministry here at Brookside. And yesterday, I'm, I'm here in the building. What do I see? I see Don up 50 feet in the air on a lift getting things ready to go. I think of a guy named Tom. He said this. He said, you know what? I'm going to serve in our children's ministry until, I'm, until the kids that I'm serving, until they grow old enough that they can serve right next to me. It's pretty cool. That's happening now. Pretty awesome. I think of you that, those of you that you serve beyond the walls of our, you serve outside of this church. And week in and, and week out, you make a difference right here in our community. I mean, th- th- those are just a few examples. The list goes on and on and on. And if you ask these people, if you say, well, why? Oh, why do you serve? You know what they'll say to you? They'll say this. I want my life to count for something bigger than me. I know that God has uniquely gifted me. I'm nothing special. You know, I don't have X, Y, and Z great talents that stand out more than anybody else. But I do know this. God has given me a role to play. And I can impact the lives of people. I can help our church lead more people to passion for God and compassion for people. Our, our volunteers, they do everything from holding babies to leading groups to teaching to help making our parking lot safe. And you might wonder, well, why in a church with over 450 volunteers and, and why are you bragging about that? Why is that still a priority? Here's the reason why it's a priority. Because when you serve, something happens inside of you. It's one of the best ways that Christ can be formed in each one of us. When you serve, yeah, people are blessed, but you know this if you serve. There's something that happens inside of you. And we know this, while we have an awesome crew of volunteers, we know our church is growing, and so is our need for for volunteers. And so if if you're not serving, let me just encourage you, go to our website. You can find out different areas where you can jump right in. Our host team is a great place. We have roles at multiple levels. Our children's ministry is a great place to jump in musicians we have some needs for those throughout our building think about this september 18th we're having a huge event where we're going to get people into life groups you know what we need we need 20 new life group leaders that's a lot 20 new life groupers group leaders to come forward you know if you were to ask the question of any pastor on our staff or any even volunteer probably what are the three things that you'd strongly encourage me to be involved in if i'm the kind of person that's saying i want my passion for jesus christ to grow and I want my compassion for people to grow. You say these three things. Sunday morning worship. Be committed. Say, you know what? This semester, we're coming faithfully. Life groups. Get in a life group. Do life with other people. And then serving. The question that we come back to this morning is, is this. 
It's am I moving towards the right destination? Ask yourself, is your life marked by being dialed into a pursuit of having a a passion for Jesus Christ, of having compassion for people? And then very practically say, okay, three vehicles. Have I gotten into each one of those? Have Have I stepped into those? Are Sunday mornings a priority? Am I using my gifts to help others? Am I serving? Am I doing life with other people? Have I gotten involved in a, in a life group? And you know the reason why we take this so seriously, it's this, because we really believe this to the core. It's true of scripture. It would say this. The local church, the message of the local church has the potential to change countless lives for all of eternity. And so we don't apologize a bit for getting really excited about it and saying, that's where we're going. And oh, we want everyone to come with us. Why? Because there's no greater calling. Passion for God, compassion for people. What's our destination? That's it. It's leading people to those two things, passion for God and compassion for people. You know, we're going to close and I want us to pray together, but I want to remind you of something we saw in the scriptures last week in Ephesians chapter three. Do you remember what the apostle Paul was doing? He had something very urgent that he was praying. And so do you remember what he did? I mean, it was like huge. What did he do? He said, I kneel before the Father. He got down on his knees because he was saying, the stakes are really high. And this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you're willing, and I, if you're new to church, that's, that's fine. If you're willing, if you're able, I'm gonna ask you to just take a knee right now and let's do this because the stakes are high. We're going into a semester and we're saying, God, we wanna keep seeing you do what only you can do. And so right now, just go ahead and get on your knees and let's pray. Let's pray to the Lord. So Lord, we come before you and uh, Lord, we kneel before you. And Lord, we just want to say, Lord, we dedicate this semester. We dedicate this church to you. And Lord, we want to pray that we would continue to see people coming to know Jesus Christ, that they would be passionate for him. And Lord, that they would be true of us, that we would be compassionate for people. So Lord, would you take our church right now in a moment of just really just pleading with you, humbly coming before you. We say, God, that's our desire. Lord, would you take Brookside? And Lord, would you launch us into a year that's marked by the hand of God? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Great. Let's stand and sing.